You are listening to the Fuerte Network. Hola, bienvenidos a todos. Welcome back to Migrants on Air, an immigration podcast. My name is Karina Dominguez, and I'm here with my co-host, Carlos Alberto. Carlos, how are you doing? Hola, Karina, ¿cómo estás? Bien, bien. Aquí, nomás, listo para el episodio. Hay muchas cosas pasando. There's a lot of, like, crazy shit happening everywhere, so mm -hmm. I'm excited to get to talk to you and our guest about it. Well, yeah. you know, not excited, like, more like what's going on, but... Yeah, I think this is the first episode that I am not super excited to be, you know, doing, but I'm glad that we are going to have the opportunity to talk to someone who lives in Florida about everything going on over there. Just get informed and see how we're, we're able to, like, support them and help them out. But yeah, so I think, you know, Carlos and I usually talk a little bit before the guest comes in. And for this episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about SB 1070. We'll be talking about SB 1718 from Florida, but we know that in 2010, SB 1070 was labeled as like the most anti-immigrant law in the country. And now we're hearing that the law in Florida is even worse than what it was in Arizona. So we just want to talk a little bit about our experiences when SB 1070 was happening here, what it resulted in, like all of the economic loss and all of the effects that came with it, because probably a lot of these similar ones are going to start happening in Florida. So yeah, I think we can start with that. Carlos, I know we were probably, how old were we? Like 11 in years 2012. old? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were super young, so... What do you remember about like those SB 1070 times? Yeah, I just remember este la primera cosa que me acuerdo es que mi mamá me dijo, no le digas a nadie que no tienes papeles, que no porque es un tiempo peligroso y I think that a lot of the news coverage of it was also very very scary. And I don't know if that's just because of the nature of like news organizations and stuff, but the, the way that it was happening on TV because I think a lot of the stuff that we saw we saw it on like the news and on television and a lot of us lived it in person but i think for me what i remember uh is like people being rounded up um people being like taken from like sus familias like um there was just a lot of fear i think i, I think emotions usually stay longer than like the actual memory and like when i think of sb 1070 i think of dude, all i feel is fear like it's crazy how like It's the same feeling I get, like, when the times I've been to D.C., like, cuando me pongo frente de la corte or, like, these buildings, like, siento como un ataque de pánico. That's the same feeling I get when I think about this time and this bill. So what I remember is just, like, the feeling, like, the fear. Yeah, I, I think for me, so this was, like, my second year of being in, in Arizona and in the United States. So honestly, I feel like I don't remember a ton about SB 1070 The only things that are like kind of in the back of my mind are hearing the news and hearing about how so many artists were canceling their performances here and yeah. just how so many people didn't want to come to Arizona. And then, you know, just hearing from friends or like close people who, who were undocumented, the fear that they had and how they were maybe considering like, you know, going back to Mexico or going to another state for some of like the economic losses that Arizona saw during this time were like really huge. I was doing some research on what those numbers were and there was like an estimated 141 million losses just from conference cancellations. 
So a bunch of people just didn't want to be here. So they canceled their conferences, they canceled performances. And that was like, that's a, a shit ton of money for, for the state to be losing. Also, like tourism industry uh, had an estimated loss of $253 million, And there were around 2,761 jobs who, that were also lost. I don't know if you knew anyone who, who like left the state because of the law or if you have like any stories around that. On, on the point of like the, the, the economic losses, I think uh, I remember back then um, a lot of organizations and people who were newly like radicalized, I, I don't, maybe radicalized. I think earlier me, me and Karina were talking about how the law created like a whole generation of like activists and like people like involved in the community. Like I'm pretty sure I would not be where I am like if. I wasn't activated by this and like even I think Karina too like I think this is like the backstory to a lot of like people in Arizona at the time who later became like organizers and stuff but I remember organizations asking people to boycott the state like boycott it economically because I think putting economic pressure on the government or on on the state was a really effective way to get the not maybe not repealed but get the law challenged and to show Mm -hmm. that you know these policies don't these policies aren't good. They're harming people. Like, why would you do this? And you're going to face repercussions if you continue this. And like how you were saying, like, there was $141 million in losses from conference cancellations. Like, I know the government felt that. And the mm-hmm. um, the loss of economic output and the job losses and tax revenue losses, those are accurate and I think good ways to to put pressure on the government. But I do remember, like, there were sports teams that pulled out of the state, like they didn't do games. A lot of companies like left the state. I do know some people who who did leave, um, not personally, but we, we were always shown like videos of these. Um, esta muchachita que se fue, y pienso que se fue a Monterrey, um, because she just couldn't see like a, she didn't feel like there was a future um, here with, with these types of policies. And especially at that time too, because this, this was around the time that um, Prop 300 in Arizona passed. So, like, uh, young mm-hmm. people didn't really have, like, in-state tuition or any money to go to school. Plus, SB 1070, like, where it was super, super hard to even, like, you know, leave the house and drive because you were scared of, of getting stopped. Yeah, those were, like, the big backstories, I think, to this policy. And it's things that I, I think I grew up, like, listening to. So I remember, like, those stories and stuff. Like, we would get, like, speakers at school talking to us about about this stuff and i remember in high school too like i think after the the court deemed parts of it unconstitutional we were still hearing about the effects and how it like really destroyed a lot of people's lives yeah and some of the the other effects that i was seeing um had to do a lot with like schools there was a u of a study done over there in tucson that said that there was a counselor who worked with students who were living without their parents and they reported an increase in the number of students they were serving because a lot of parents ended up leaving the state and, you know, going out of state or going back to Mexico and they left their children here to be able to complete their schooling. Also, a lot of schools ended up losing funding and there were a lot of job cuts just because the enrollment numbers were dropping. So we just saw a lot of people leaving, a lot of population loss in the state. Yeah, and I think this is super relevant because this was, I think... One of the first times where the government did, they used punitive policy to actually, because I think the the actual la razón porque pasaron la policía was to force people to to leave. Like if they couldn't get like get people to leave, like they would force them through policy to make their lives miserable. That's I think there's a really good paper out there um, by this like community activist 
who's also, I think, a professor at UCLA, she calls it legal violence. So it's just the way that the law and policy like creates violence in the lives of people. And I think this was around the time when the government was really experimenting with with legal violence as a way to uh, create deportations through attrition, which basically means like making people so miserable that they leave. And, you know, we're seeing a res resurface of that now. But I think uh, around this time, there were things like Operation like Gatekeeper, like where they were like funneling people through the hard parts of like the Arizona desert to force them to go through the hardest possible route to make them want to turn back and leave. So a lot of this stuff was like, era, como se dice, era, este, it was, uh, como se dice esa palabra, perdóname, este, <laughs> no eh, sé cuál. Dios, se me está yendo la mente. Uh, it was on purpose, a propósito. Like, uh -huh. They did it a propósito. Like, there was no way they, they couldn't have known that the secondary consequences of this would be this. Like So the, I think yeah. in my mind, when I listen to the stories of people who left and when I see like all of this, like they had to know like they were doing it on purpose. There's no other way. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. And I think we're already seeing this in Florida right now, even though the law still hasn't been signed by the governor, but... You know, we're pretty sure he will sign it, but people are already taking actions, like packing up their things and and leaving the state because they don't want to wait around and and see what could happen to them. And it's it's really sad because we, you know we make new lives here in the states that that we choose and like we form our our communities and just to have to get up and leave so suddenly that must be something that's like really scary. Yeah, and I mean like that's essentially another migration that you're doing. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people aren't really prepared to do another one even if like they came recently or like 10 years ago like a lot of people aren't prepared for another one like i think it takes a toll on you like even the international one but even like the domestic one takes a toll on you like it's just really really sad i would have thought that these kinds of policies were in the past yeah. but unfortunately we're seeing them right now yeah and our guest is almost here so we are going to introduce them, Neri Lopez. So we're going to let them in and and hear from, from their first-hand experience about what's going on in Florida. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with our guest, Neri Lopez. Neri, would you be able to introduce yourself and where you're from and what group you're with? Yeah, thank you for having me. I know the circumstances are a little different, but I am excited to talk about what's happening in Florida and for folks to know the community too. So my name is Nettie. I am originally from Mexico. I came here when I was four. I've lived in Florida all my life. I moved to Fort Lauderdale, so I live in um, South Florida area. Um, I went to Florida International University and uh, right now, currently, I'm the Migrant Justice Coordinator with Florida Student Power. Nettie, how'd you get to be involved with this type of work? Have you always like done community organizing? Is that something that you've always been involved in? No. So I didn't even know what community organizing was. I've never heard the term. I didn't know the community until I went to college. So in college at FIU, Florida International University, I met a group that had to do with immigration work, particularly with youth and students. And the group, I I found it through just a Facebook page, actually. When I was in high school, I didn't know anyone else who was also a DACA recipient like myself. And 
the reason why I was able to go to Florida International University was through a scholarship called the Dream Data. So that's how I met other students who were also at that school and introduced me to students working for Equal Rights, which is the group that was on campus. And that's how I got involved. It was a very strange time. It was in 2017, right after the 2016 administration. So it was a very rapid response period that I came into. I got very quickly involved in the Dream Act campaign. I did a lot of work with United with Dream at that time. And after that policy campaign kind of like, you know, went stagnant, I got involved more locally in the work in Florida and the community, um, the immigration community here. And that's how I started working with Florida Stream Power, which is a, a a youth organization across Florida. And we do a lot of work with college students and also high school students and the intersection between climate, education, and immigration. So the immigration part is where I come in and I am keeping a, a group of students who are youth to know the power that they have in a lot of the immigrant rights work that happens and also just the community that we, we know is very vulnerable at this moment. I know that you know, for all of us who aren't in Florida, we always hear a lot of news about Florida, about how it is over there. But could you paint kind of like the Florida landscape for us, for the undocumented community? Like, Do you all have access to driver's license and say tuition, things like that? What is the landscape for immigrants in, in Florida? Yes. So as I mean, as many might know, like Florida is a super majority Republican state. It's It's a very red state. So here, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the safety and protection of immigrants. Currently, there is in-state tuition. There is no financial aid. There is no driver's license for anyone who's undocumented. And I would say what keeps immigrants here is because we're a border state and a lot of people, they come through, through the water. So there's a lot of folks who are arriving by boat. And so there's a lot of population of immigrants spread out across Florida, even though I'll say that it's very different, like South and North. I think the concentration is very much in the South and in Central Florida. But currently, there's not a lot of protection from the state. So there's a lot of community work that happens in Florida because of it, like the Florida Immigrant Coalition, which is a coalition of different orgs, includes student power. And, and that's how we're able to move a lot of the work when it comes to protecting immigrants and making sure people know their rights, for example, or people applying for citizenship if they're already a green card holder. So resources with like, you know, legal assistance. But because there's so much uncertainty in Florida, that's why the community work is so much stronger. And it's even gotten stronger now, right? As I know we're going to get into the nitty gritty of, of the policy work that happens in Florida and, and the current political climate, too. That's super interesting to me. I think earlier, Karina and I were talking about how there was a lot of parallels in between Florida and Arizona, more specifically, like how after the generation that grew up with like SB 1070 and all that policing, like that created a new wave of, I guess, like people involved in their communities and organizing. So I think um, it's interesting to hear you say that because these things are going on, the community organizing is so much stronger. Like people are activating and, and protecting themselves and protecting their community. Neri, te quería preguntar, has it always 
been like this? Like, I know these things don't happen overnight, but what is this like anti-immigrant sentiment? Has it always been a factor in like the government or is the sentiment more recent? Would you be able to like help us like paint a picture for those of us who aren't there? Yeah, I would say it's always it's always been prevalent in Florida, even despite the last governor was a Democrat. And we know that sometimes it doesn't matter if it's red or blue, right? Like it's the issues are still there. And I I will be quite frank, like I I'm seeing it now because I feel like there was I'm at an age where I understand a little bit more. But while I was in high school, I didn't really know that climate, right? I just knew in my family, right, that we had to not talk about our status, make sure people don't know, you don't say too much, right? Or make sure that like you don't open your door to people. So it was like there was always that I would say that part of it that like I, I've always grown up knowing that it wasn't something that we should mention. And immigration has always been, you know, like living in the shadows is something that I think of when it comes to Florida, if you are someone who's still navigating the immigration system. And even with mixed status families, as I was able to be in a university where it's a lot of Hispanics, a lot of international folks, you can tell that the dynamic is different because where I grew up, it was a very small town that was very conservative. And even though there was a lot of Mexican population, it was also a lot of dangerous parts, right? There are a lot of raids. I remember hearing the word raids, not realize that they meant that like police coming in, like, you know, just taking people because they didn't have any papers. And a lot of like police checkpoints on on the roads and people getting stopped because they didn't have a, a driver's license. That's a a big part of Florida too is is the the uncertainty and the fear of our community because they don't know where where to go they don't know their rights right and they kind of just stay with a group of people to make sure nobody knows what they're going through and so not being in the work it's it's like I I start to see how different it is in so many parts of Florida I feel like Florida is its own country because it's so big right and there's so many uh, I mean going from one place to another it takes four hours maybe for y'all it's like four hours means another state but for us it's like I'm still in the same state it's just a whole nother dynamic and even in the where our capital is in Tallahassee Tallahassee is a very racist you know like it's a very conservative area and it's not a lot of immigrants who live in that in that area because it's also part where like you know the capital is and and it's where there's a lot more enforcement but then you go to South Florida and every corner there's like a Hispanic store, right? There's a, we have a big population of Haitians here too. And so a lot of folks from South and Central America live in South Florida. And there's a, a stronger community there because we know that we have to protect each other. There's that like level of like, you know, you're my neighbor and we've got to make sure we're okay. But then you go somewhere else and it's like you feel alone. You feel like there's not people that you can relate to that look like you. It's it's very different for sure. And there's a lot of like now in this moment, it's a lot of like that ment- that mentality of like we got to protect each other no matter where you're from. If, you know, like we see the issues of climate affecting us a lot here right now. I don't know if, if, if you heard, but there was a big storm that happened in, in South Florida. It literally flooded even though it was rain, like it wasn't even a hurricane, right? Um, and I actually live in this area, so I wasn't here, but I saw people, you know, losing their shelter because of the flooding. 
Um, so there's a lot of intersections of like the environment and immigration and also our education because the the resources are very different down here. People who want to, who are immigrants, undocumented immigrants, uh, they have to seek scholarships because there's no financial aid in Florida. And even with the in-state tuition, things are still very costly. You know, like the cost of Florida is, is also a whole nother monster in itself. Yeah, I think there's, there's just so many intersections. And I think if we can jump into into the bill SB 1718, can you talk to us a little bit about like what the bill is, what, what is included in it? And then maybe we can talk a little bit later about, you know, how it's going to affect all of these like community ties and and everything that, that we just mentioned. Before I talk about the bill, I want to I want to mention a little bit about the legislative session in, in Florida. I think in the past, I would say, well, since since the, the governor, the current governor, DeSantis, it's it's been a fight after a fight each year. So our legislative session is each year and there's always been anti-immigrant bills. And I think right now is a buildup of those years. Last year, we had a bill that it was a very heavy because it only amplified more the profiling of um, who's an immigrant, you know, stopping people. And I think that's a parallel that I, I read on the SB 1070 about profiling, right? Like stopping people if they look like they're an immigrant and they may not have documents. So that passed last year where it would just make police and immigration enforcement work together more and not and as a state, right? Um, we know about 287G, which was very big in just one county, and then this bill that passed last year or two years ago, it made it so that it could be 287G, but at a Florida whole state level. Now it's like this bill that passed this week called SB 1718. It's like a buildup of all the different things that have happened in the last few years with things that are, you know, they did like a bullet list of just things that didn't even correlate with each other, but they all have the same sentiment of immigration enforcement, of anti-immigration, of wanting to get immigrants out, and and that same aspect of show me your papers. Everywhere you go, hospitals, school, you know, it's it's really scary. To talk a little bit more about the bill itself. So one of the biggest parts of the bill is around hospital collection and immigrant asking for people's immigration status if you go to a hospital. Um, so this is a really huge one. And within all of the aspects of the bill that passed, the old versions were very, very much more restrictive. And the community, the work of the community is what allowed for this bill to be watered down. To quote the, I think it was, who was it? It was one of the news articles they defanged it basically right uh, because when it was proposed there was so many bad things that were being put but there was a lot the the work of the community the stories of our people helped to water down this bill and that was one of the parts of around the hospital tracking immigration statuses so within the that part of the bill it will make it now part of like if you go into the ER or are you admitted, you have to answer the question of whether you're a citizen or if you're an immigrant, if 
what is your status basically but the thing that we now have to educate people is that this is an optional question and that they can decline to answer so within the bill there's a lot of things that it's just going to require for people to be educated on because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of just talk around the old versions of the bill that no longer apply and that people might be scared and think that it's still what is right now. So that was one of the parts that I think is going to be really important for people to know is that there's a lot of things that were changed in the bill that people need to be educated on. And then the other part is around transporting immigrants. So basically around human smuggling is the, you know, the phrase that they use for the first version of this bill, it was going to require for people to not not require, it was going to make it so that people can't shelter or harbor people or transport people within the state and make it a felony up to 15 years if you were caught with someone living in your home. And this would affect anyone who's a mixed status family, right? Anyone who has friends or family who are still navigating the system. But because of the work of the community, there was amendments to that part. And so now it is only with people who are coming into the state. So it would be still be the same felony charge of uh, up to 15 years in prison if you are transporting immigrants into the state. You know, an example is, you go out, you want to go on a trip with your family outside of the state. And now you have to really think about because the risk is if you come back and one of your family members in the car with you is undocumented, you could be faced as like your human smuggling, you know, into the state when you are probably someone who lives in the state and you went, you can't even go on vacation outside of the state with your family or people who may come in for meetings into the state, you know, like, so now they're treating it where like there's more enforcement with anyone coming into the state and the risk of being charged. Another part is around community IDs. And now they're just restricting the funding of community IDs. So we don't have driver's license for undocumented people, but there was a big community effort around getting people community IDs. And this actually doesn't just apply to immigrants. Like this is a, a program for anyone who just isn't able to get a driver's license, and they still need an identification. So that is currently in effect in, in several counties. But now what this bill would do is that the county or municipality won't be able to fund these programs. So they will have to get funding from a different, from another way in order to keep running these programs. And then the other part is around the out-of-state driver's license. So anyone who has driver's license from other places when they come into the state, they won't be able to show that as an eligible format of identification. So if someone from out of state has a driver's license and is undocumented and they're driving in Florida, that won't count as in a driver's license. That will actually be, they could be fined because they don't have a driver's license, right? According to the state under this law. So those are just some of the few. There's other parts of it. I mean, I could keep going, but, you know, I, I want to make sure that folks understand that the bill in itself is just monstrous in the way that it's just wanting to limit the protection and safety of immigrants, even attacking education. One part of the bill that's around education is a practice of law. And so currently people can practice law if they are undocumented or navigating the immigration system 
But with the law, it would now make it where they can't practice law after 2028. So originally, it was going to be now, right? Like people who are maybe in law school right now or about to take it, it would revoke it. But they were able to make an amendment. And now anyone who is in law school right now is good. But after 2028, they wouldn't be able to practice law in Florida. So they would have to go somewhere else to take the bar exam. And that was a big part of the bill that it was just like, why? Right? Like, why are you taking that right from someone who wants to, if anything, abide by the laws of the government, abide by, you know, a profession within the United States. And, and I mean, anyone who practice law is because they understand and they want to live here, right? So it's like, why are you taking that right from people who they just want to be educated and want to continue their their dreams and their careers in in the U.S. I have a hard time like understanding like why like how you were saying like there's no it just doesn't seem like there's a reason that to do any of this besides like making people suffer and that's something that me Karina and I were talking about earlier like the parallel in Arizona but I think Nettie, is there like when the bill was passing in the legislature, was there justification for all this? Like, I'm trying to imagine like the the Senate and the House like debating this, like, because it just seems like a bill to make people suffer. And like, I don't know if there's any like, I don't know, it just sounds like a lot. Yeah, no, like watching this and and being there, it, it really is like a novella. Like this, there's so much drama and there's so much pointing fingers and it, it all comes down to like the the governor it's the governor's agenda, right? He wants to run for president. Um, and we know that he needs the votes of his people, his party, right? So we know that a lot of these laws that are criminalizing our community have to do with the bigger aspect of like, oh, Biden administration isn't doing enough with immigration enforcement, with the border crisis. And so those terms are brought up, but these things are not going to solve what's happening at the border. You know, you're not actually doing any solution-oriented things with this bill. And so a lot of those parts were, like, even the people who sponsored this bill are immigrants. There's one representative, you know, he he said, I came the right way, even though he overstayed his visa. And we know that overstaying your visa is unlawful, right? So it's like they don't even understand the immigration system themselves. And so that's one thing, right? It's very frustrating to see that the people who are in office, who are supposed to be working for their constituents and who are be representing their constituents aren't doing that. You know, they're, if anything, they're making policies that are only targeting people, people who are only here to work, people who are trying to educate themselves and not actually enforcing laws that help people to better themselves. And so we're seeing that a lot in just the way that they vote, the, you know, the very vague answers they give around, you know, why, why is this law necessary? How is it going to be enforced? That was also a lot of like the questioning is like, how will it be monitored? And at least in my opinion, I didn't see anything that was actually said that made sense. You know, there was a lot of questioning. A lot of amendments were put forth and all of them were shot down that would actually make this bill at least a little better. But even as it was watered down, a lot of amendments were 
completely denied by the majority. This bill passed at a super majority. And we know that right now in Florida, there is a big disadvantage with the people who are in office. And it all comes down to what the governor wants, what the governor is doing in his agenda. And and this was actually his bill, right? Like he proposed this bill at the beginning before legislative session started. And this was one of his like big parts of, of his governancy in Florida. But even beyond that, what he's trying to do nationally. So it's really sad to see that even our own community, in terms of like people who represent our communities, are given in and weren't even able to do anything to make this bill not pass, right? But it, like I mentioned, this is something that has been building up throughout the years. It's not just like it happened to this year, but it's like a buildup of so many other things that have been going on in the political climate of Florida. A little bit earlier, you mentioned like some of the misinformation going around about like previous provisions um, and, you know, trying to inform community members of what the current version is. I guess my question is, how are community members reacting to this? Maybe like folks who aren't necessarily actively involved in the movement. Um, Yeah, just I think on social media, we're seeing a lot of videos of like people packing up their things and leaving before it becomes effective on July 1st. So yeah, what's the community response? Like what's happening? How are community members like supporting each other throughout this time? I mean, you're mentioning it. I think that's one of the things that are in people's minds, right? Is it safe for me to stay in Florida if my family or myself is in danger by this new law that would go in effect? There is definitely a lot of fear and just uncertainty, especially with families who would be affected by this bill. And people are, you know, having to make a decision. And this is something that, like, we can't tell people do this, right? Like, it's like you have to make that decision with your family or, you know, with your with your loved ones, if that's something that will be better, if that will, you know, make more sense for y'all, if it's safer to get out of Florida. And that's the reality. I think that's the reality with this bill, with the political climate of Florida, is that people now are having to leave probably the only place I've ever lived, right? Since they moved to to the U.S. or who have been here for generations and they still have people navigating the immigration system. And I think that's the scary part that this affects anyone, even if you have a visa, even if you are an asylum seeker, even if you're a DACA recipient, right? Like, or TPS holder, like if you fit in that profile of still navigating the immigration system, you can be affected by any of these things in one way or another. And I think that's why the reality of, of this now is like, do you stay in Florida? And if you stay in Florida, how do we make sure we build a community of protection, right? Now the question of, okay, if this bill is going to affect for a lot of communities uh, right now, it's the question of like, okay, how do we make sure we build community protection plans so that people are educated on what are the effects of this bill, but also educated on their rights, right? No matter what, we still have rights, even if you are an undocumented person. And so that's a big part now in the community is moving forward with different resources that will help our community to make sure that they're as safe as we can. Do you think there's going to be a long-term, I guess, like a 
long-term organizing strategy to target the bills. I know in SB 1070 happened, a lot of campaigns were doing economic boycotts to the state and they were trying to target where the state would feel it the most. Um, have you heard any word or any talks about that happening in Florida? That's a very good question. And I, I think it's still really early on, right, to know where we're headed. But I think looking at just how, you know, our compadres in Arizona have done, you know, and the knowing that the law that was passed there 10 years ago, and now y'all have a Democrat governor, right? And and have seen so many changes and how the community has gotten stronger. That gives us hope, right? Because we know that even though this law right now or this policy is the worst policy we've seen in the last 15 years for Florida, we know that it's not the end, right? We we have in 2024, there's a new election cycle. And in 2020, you know, we have to keep looking forward to knowing that we just have to have people from our community run, you know, take those seats and also think of like how this will make us stronger and what is the Florida that we need and that we want, knowing that our communities are only growing. Like I mentioned before, like people are still coming through the Florida borders. People are still arriving here and we see it every every day how there's people who are still coming here because what they're have what's happening in their country is worse than what they will potentially deal with in coming in here. So the sacrifices are huge and we know that this won't stop us. And even though right now we feel and we're mourning for a lot of the uncertainties that we feel, it's also an opportunity for us to keep building our people and to just make our community more protected and and what we can do, right? And just making sure people know their rights and understanding as much as we can how this bill will affect people who are vulnerable in this moment. Are there like any messages or anything that us like other states can do to support you all? Or what can people do in Florida as well to keep protecting each other and fight against this? I was thinking of the, you know, the there's a trend that says like, don't come to Florida, like, you know, stay out of Florida. And that was actually something that, you know, we were doing like a tra- travel advisory, right? Like Florida is not in a good place. Like you shouldn't come because a lot of the economic comes from tourism, right? But even then, like, I feel like I want other folks from other states, from other places to realize that Florida is not thriving. You know, like Florida is right now at a vulnerable place and our communities are hurting because there's a lot of uncertainty not just in immigration, but just in, in housing, you know, and jobs and the climate, you know, like there's a lot that's uncertain with just how our climate is moving and, and how we can be affected by a small storm, a simple storm, not a small because it, it was huge, but, you know, a storm that wasn't even a hurricane. And so we want people to know that making sure they just understand in their own state, what are the laws? And what are the things that they have in place? And I think it's always really important to learn from what happens from another state and take that back and realize like we're never safe. We never know um, what's going to happen, what people are, are running the state that it could affect us. Maybe you think like this doesn't affect me, but it could affect you indirectly in the way that businesses are run, in the way that like, you know, education is run. 
We're seeing in Florida the tax of education too. Even if you're not an immigrant, this affects everyone, right? Like the way that our government works, we have to know, we have to be in the know of what's happening and also stay away from the misinformation. Don't just post whatever you see, like do your research, right? Like try to find out more about the topic because a lot of the times people want you to just be fearful. People want you to see the worst of Florida, but also there's a lot of power in Florida, people power and how people have come together to make this bill as watered down as possible. Like that wasn't just because they decided to remove it because people were there telling their stories every day during session. And even beyond that, we want to make sure that people know that there is a community that is protecting each other and that is going to make sure that despite this bill, we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to keep trying to build locally, right? Making sure that our local elected officials are supporting us and also responding because they're also held accountable um, with what goes on. I'm sending a lot of like light and love to you guys. I know this is super, super scary. And honestly, I, I had hoped like these types of bills and legislations were behind us. But I guess it just goes to show that people will always need to be aware and like involved in their communities. And I think we're going to save us. The the government isn't going to do it like your community and I guess your extended family, like the people around you that are also going through the same thing. Like we got each other. So I think that's what also gives me hope. But yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. We just rely on community. Is there other stuff that you would like to share? Nettie, any like closing statements or any other things that we should know? Yeah, um, I appreciate y'all for for really bringing this topic to light. And one of the things that I'm learning is that our young people, our folks who are in school, our folks that are, you know, young in this moment, that's where the power relies, right? Those who are in school, those who are working for their families, like we are the generation that's going to be eventually running for for office, right? Like all these Congress folks are getting old and who's replacing them? Potentially people who are in their families or people who are, you know, who are right now running, who are right now going to school. And so we need to make sure that we realize that there's a lot of power in our youth and our immigrant youth and our youth that are in mixed status families. And we have to get activated, right? Like join organizations, and like the one that y'all are a part of, join different community groups that are helping build resources because we have so many creative people. And I think a lot of the work that we do now, like it's it's only the strategy is changing, right? Like what worked for our community activists in the past doesn't work now. Like the fear is only growing and the laws are only getting tougher. And so we need to make sure that we think outside of what we know um, and even just in like the community work that we do, the community work that we see happening, it's changing too, it's evolving. So we want to make sure that we stay activated. Also just find the power that your stories are important. Everyone's story is important. And that's right, really what's going to move a lot of the changes that we want to see. Thank you so much, Nadia. I think we're we're super hopeful for you know the people who are organizing in Florida. And we'll also be looking at you all to to learn lessons and we'll be here to support you all through through this time. Carlos, do you have any last minute things to say or 
Yeah, I think more people need to talk about this because I think these these types of bills aren't I guess they don't originate this this was learned like these these bills like it was learned by this legislature through other states so I think the the ability of these types of bills and the xenophobia can also transfer so I think for those of us in other states it's also up to us to spread the word um because any attack on anyone in the country can also directly you know they can also come for us in the future so i think you have to have solidarity and protect each other even if we are in different states but yeah i can go ahead and close this out y'all Nettie, thank you so much for joining us i think i learned a lot there's a lot of misinformation out there happening on what the bills are i think what what the effects are so i think this was really really helpful do you know if there's any like one page or anything that kind of shows like the effects of the bill that either you or Flick has created or anything we can put in the description just to show people the effects of the bill and like just knowing your rights and things like that. Yeah, I can I can send y'all and also on Instagram, follow Florida Immigrant Coalition, Florida Student Power, the whole word Florida, and you'll find a lot of the resources there. There's going to be a lot of updates happening in the next week with the final version of the bill hasn't been signed into law yet, but it, it will be soon. We anticipate it. So we know that there's just going to be a lot happening in terms of people educating each other, people who are from other states who want to come to Florida, knowing what's happening, right? I think a lot of the times we stay in our own bubble. But like you mentioned, Carlos, like these laws are not new. We know that they're being replicated in so many different states and they've learned from each other, right? They talk with each other. And so we need to make sure that our communities are also talking to each other because I think there's also a lot of power in the strategies that we see in different states and we stay siloed. And I think this is an opportunity for us to not stay siloed and to talk to each other as we continue to also navigate the different parts, the struggles, right, that we see in our everyday life. So yeah, follow Florida Immigrant Coalition, Florida Power on Instagram. The same is on their Facebooks, on Facebook, the same names. I would definitely be keeping y'all updated as well. Awesome. Muchísimas gracias. Migrants on Air is a Fuerte Network production in association with Orona Multimedia. Uh, I just want to thank, formally thank everyone involved in the making of this episode. Hosts, uh, Karina Dominguez and myself. Our guest, Nelly Lopez, muchísimas gracias. Graphics were done by Karina Dominguez. Our theme song is Crazy Like That by Lo-Fi. Uh, and editing was done by Dani Orona. Follow us on Spotify for this and all other Fuerte content to make sure that you're signed up for our mailing list. Mil gracias y hasta la próxima. Thank you, Nelly. Mil gracias. Thank you all.